0: Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope y'all are having an amazing. Fantabulous day. We've got a show planned for you today that I think is informative and interesting, and maybe you guys won't find it the same. But we talk a lot about Deshaun Watson here today in that situation because we touched on it yesterday here in the A block, but wasn't quite detailed enough. And what I would come to find out didn't really add very much to the conversation. So we'll get to Deshaun Watson talk in a little bit, but Man, the world does not stop in sports, even in a downtime. There's just lots of little news coming in that's interesting. Obviously, MLB trade deadline. You could do a podcast every day on the different moves that are coming in there. But you've got a big trade in the NBA, the Grizzlies and Pelicans swapping picks 10 and 17, while also swapping overpriced centers and Eric Bledsoe could be something of interest down the road, but that happened. Aaron Rodgers may have a resolution with the Packers in uh, being able to leave after next season after renegotiating a contract and spending a whopping zero days in a holdout. So congratulations to Aaron Rodgers on that. Chandler Jones has requested a trade. And there's just there's like seven things we could go through here as there were seven things we could figure out when we went through the wheel of topics. But the place that I want to dive into here on the show today as probably most places are, but still is with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers held out a whopping zero days of training camp. And all of a sudden now he is going to be back presumably at Packers camp on Tuesday with a restructured contract. And so unfortunately for Aaron Rodgers, or maybe not. This could be just a compromise, really. Like the, the holdout that wasn't a holdout, but just voicing displeasure through leaks back and forth, ultimately ends with Aaron Rodgers coming to camp and dictating his potential future after the 2021 season. Call it a compromise, call it both teams getting what they ultimately wanted out of the deal, which is the Packers to move forward with Jordan Love as they had intended, and for Aaron Rodgers to spend the last four years of his career playing for a different franchise, which is not that weird in the grand scheme of things, just in the changing landscape of sports and contracts and money and the fact that organizations will cave for some of these players in ways that other ones don't. And you see Tom Brady leave the Patriots and slowly but steadily that leverage play of basketball and baseball is starting to move towards the NFL as we see obviously, negotiations with Devontae Adams and Jamal or uh, Devontae Adams, Jamal Adams, um, TJ Watt, which we thought that would be extended by now. You're starting to see some of these options develop. And while I don't think we'll ever get to the point that I want to see, which is a market where basically players negotiate contracts in free agency like the NBA, where people hit free agency a ton more. um, I don't think the NFL will get to that point in the near future. But it would be cool to see a situation where the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's and Lamar Jackson's and Josh Allen's who are both on the verge of massive contract extensions uh, could actually hit free agency. And we could see Devontae Adams command money on the open market, which he'll probably get franchise tagged and traded, but Devontae Adams could command a lot of money on the open market. And maybe he's willing to ride out the franchise tags and, get that money similar to what Kirk cousins did where he became like the eighth highest paid athlete in America because of his strategic plays with the franchise tag and contract extensions from the Vikings. But maybe someone else will get into that point. I don't know, but it's just cool to see that maybe just maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to get to hit free agency the end of next season with this restructured contract that provides some cap relief for the Packers voids the last year of his contract and potentially gives the packers an out that protects cap space and it's a compromise. Now did they do it before training camp hit? Yes, and I think Aaron Rodgers in negotiations tossed some leverage aside a bit, but also I think Aaron Rodgers sees that they've got a great a great team going into this season and you know, they're going to make the best of whatever this weird circumstance is that they find themselves in now. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers came to a compromise. And that compromise is we'll stay together one more season for the children, just like we thought was going to happen with Russell Wilson until Russell Wilson immediately folded the second he had a chance to apply some pressure to the situation. I guess you could argue that they got Gabe Jackson out of it, but still it's hollow in in retrospect. And, you know, I think I think that the Green Bay Packers end up the winners in this situation because Aaron Rodgers is still the MVP and they potentially get to restructure the contract, but Aaron Rodgers didn't have a ton of leverage. His option was to make things ugly and we knew all the way through that Rodgers didn't really want to make things ugly. So this is a a winning compromise, shall we say. Rodgers is supposed to come to camp on Tuesday. I guess we'll find out today whether or not Rodgers ends up coming or not, but Either way, it's still a compromise in the works that the Packers and Rodgers could come to where they amicably part ways after years of betrayals and years of frustrations in the organization telling him to pound sand, whether it be the hire of Lefleur or the drafting of Jordan Love being the two most prominent ones or the last two years of Mike McCarthy, which was just an utter betrayal by the organization. All of that came to a head rogers was tired of the disrespect that he had been receiving for years and years and so now we get the compromise that i wasn't sure was going to happen i thought maybe rogers would be willing to make things a little more ugly um but without leverage i think aaron Rodgers did kind of do all right for himself there are no losers in this compromise both sides are going to get essentially a, a a common ground which is not an extension for aaron Rodgers. If that's what the Packers did truly want when they leaked that they had offered Rodgers a contract extension. If they truly wanted to re-sign him, then they don't get that. And for Rodgers, he doesn't get to leave now. But they do have a really talented roster next season for one last dance run. So they compromised on one year. If Rodgers wanted zero, the organization wanted three to five. They compromise at one year not too shabby but if this is now officially going to be the last dance it means you're going to be hearing a lot of this music coming up throughout the next few months into the 2021 nfl season is so disgruntled with green bay packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team and so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going he is not making this about money he wants out of there and he's telling you there is no amount of money we want him back in the worst way i know he knows that and um You know, we'll continue to work at it. The situation between the Green Bay Packers and Devontae Adams is not good. As far as this weekend, as far as training camp, we will see. There's been one message consistently coming out of Aaron Rodgers' camp, and and that's, I don't want to be here. So I wanted to spend some time today going back and looking over the Deshaun Watson situation because... I was listening back to Monday's podcast and we kicked off the show with our A block talking about Deshaun Watson in the John Oliver-esque five minutes to recap a really complex subject after the news came out on Sunday that Deshaun Watson was reporting to camp which begins today for the Houston Texans and you know I I was listening back to the podcast and we, we Didn't do a bad job of talking about Deshaun Watson. I just listened back and felt I didn't add anything to the conversation yesterday. Uh, It was a lot of the same things being rehashed over again just by the new development that he was arriving to camp. But it's been a couple months since we talked about the Deshaun Watson situation. The last time we did a Deshaun Watson podcast was on May 26th when the reporting from Jenny Vrentas and Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated came out, which we'll rehash some of those details as we go along here, because it's important to the point of why Deshaun Watson needs to be put on the commissioner's exempt list. Either the Texans need to step in and say that they won't fine Watson $50,000 and have him leave camp, or the NFL needs to become... The moral arbiters that we don't want them to be but ultimately we live in a society that hasn't dealt with this stuff well and so it, a lot of it is uncomfortable and complex and the solution is to just send Deshaun Watson home the NFL has the power to do so with the commissioner's exempt list and I looked up yesterday whether or not the commissioner's exempt list could be used in this circumstance before actual games were being played. Could they put Watson on the exempt list during training camp? I found out that indeed they can, and the NFL's investigation is still ongoing into Watson, which, again, take that with a grain of salt, because NFL investigations are not as transparent and not as unbiased as legal investigations. Obviously, the NFL has an agenda, to potentially protect Deshaun Watson. He is a massive financial player for the league and will be for the next 15 years, similarly to what happened with Ben Roethlisberger. The NFL will be whatever sort of moral arbiters they can be. But again, all of this is really complex and sticky because of the fact that it's going through the civil court system. And we talked a little bit yesterday, money in these situations can represent a form of closure. And of course, when it's a high profile figure like Deshaun Watson, it takes a lot of credible reporting and legal sifting to figure out which accusations are real and which accusations are not. And this is where the reporting from Jenny Vrentas and Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated, among with other credible sources that are doing great work reporting the Deshaun Watson case, comes into play. So let's rehash some of the details going back to this point, as well as new developments in the Deshaun Watson case. Presently, there are 22 still um, cases being pressed against Deshaun Watson. That number may go up to 24. There was reports from, uh, I believe it was Tony Busby, the, the attorney representing Deshaun Watson on Monday, that there were 10 cases being processed in the criminal side and you know that he hasn't been charged with any of them yet and and part of that is the sifting through credibilities and legal or sorry criminal investigations as well as the fact that the bar for sexual harassment by or you know criminal sexual harassment and sexual assault in texas are higher than in most states and so he hasn't been charged yet with a crime. While the, the criminal investigation is ongoing, it's starting to look like he's not going to meet the bar for a criminal invest for a criminal indictment. But the process is still ongoing, and the civil suit obviously proposes its own sides uh, or its own conversations and its own difficulties in sifting through legal culpability, even if it's not. innocent until proven guilty, which you do not have to be for the civil suit. For the civil suit, you just have to be more probable than not to be found guilty and potentially pay out claims. Now, that process is going to be ongoing probably into 2022 unless Deshaun Watson settles. But here's some of the reporting from Jenny Vrentas and Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated that helps Uh, illustrate why there's a case for Deshaun Watson to be more likely than not guilty of some of these cases. Um, First of all, the women who came forward reached out to Tony Busby as early as December of 2020 before Deshaun Watson's trade request. I I said Tony Busby by mistake earlier. It was Rusty Harding who made the statement earlier on Monday about the fact there were 10 criminal ones Eight were people who had already filed civil suits. Um, many, again, it's the bar for sexual assault in Texas is higher than most states, so many of these criminal suits, we believe, are going to be tossed out. Uh, I believe two of them were still ongoing, which means that you know there's a chance that potentially charges are brought upon Deshaun Watson, but ultimately it's starting to look less likely that criminal charges are going to be brought against Deshaun Watson. So the women who came forward reached out to Busby, who is the attorney representing the women, as early as December of 2020. Conduct from 2019 all the way to as early as March of 2021 was a problematic part of the physical therapy and massage community throughout Houston, Texas. In one 2019 case, a woman at her in-home studio texted the person who set up the appointment with Watson and... Ultimately said afterwards, you know, things that went down were uncomfortable Um, and the person who had told this story was not suing Deshaun Watson. And this is the case when we talk about a lot of these sexual harassment and sexual misconduct cases is that specifically in the case of rape charges that often a rapist who's being brought into charges of one also gets away with an average of around seven. So it's more likely than not that more than 20 women were, or whatever percentage, are bringing charges against Deshaun Watson that are credible, there's a good chance that more than that are also being are sexually harassed by Deshaun Watson, but are not pressing charges against Watson. Um, we know from the reporting and that weird story of Rusty Harding saying that 18 massage therapists were... Um, backing that they had had consensual, or not consensual, they had had encounters with Deshaun Watson that did not escalate, and they were, you know, character witnesses for Deshaun Watson, which brought the number up to at least 44 massage therapists that Deshaun Watson had contacted, which, if it's not, you know, at the very least, it's creepy and weird, and Deshaun Watson, you know, I mean, you know what, we'll leave it there. Um, Anyway, so, Back to the, to more of the reporting, uh, the civil suits, if they go to trial, could take into 2022, a year and a half potentially, and Watson will likely settle out of court. I, would, I thought he would have settled out of court already, but in that statement he made yesterday, Rusty Harding made clear that Watson, any settlement that is made would be made public because Deshaun Watson does not want the perception that he's paying women for silence, is that Deshaun Watson, which... Again, this is really complex and really tricky because non-disclosure settlements can often be to protect both sides in this case. Both be oh, and a lot of that is a problem with us and high profile cases where we're going to judge the women as a society based on how much money they get in exchange. For Deshaun Watson, and this is a real problem that society at large and the media covering this story, who have influence on the way people react to this, and also just general entitlement of male privilege, is focused on this Deshaun Watson case and how they're going to react to a potential settlement becoming public. So again, it's really complex as Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harding has a case to potentially protect Deshaun Watson by saying, we want to make all settlement details public. And and we can kind of guess what the number is going to be, but I just thought that the timeline was, was not, we want to detract some of these cases that we feel are not credible and have them drop their lawsuit. And you know, if you, get you know f- four maybe. if you get 11% of the women who bring across fake accusations, then all of a sudden it's a way to delegitimize the rest of them. I don't think that's going to work, uh, especially if the legal precedent has taken and as the updates in the case we are going to get to state that 11 women of the 22 have already given sworn testimonies under oath. In that case, I don't think that the innocence of Deshaun Watson in some of these cases that are proven to be false accusations, which it seems increasingly likely that some of these are going to be proven to be false accusations just based on some other reporting from uh, Houston, the Houston Chronicle and uh, local news in Houston. Not necessarily national. I haven't seen enough national media reporting on it, but... It seems more likely than not that some of these cases are going to be thrown out in the civil court and that is going to be then Deshaun Watson's attorneys are going to try and use public pressure to help his case in the public eye of you saying the classic male privilege trope of if you can't believe one, how can you believe all of them, which is also just the OJ Simpson trope. If you can't believe this one thing and this one cop said the N word, how can you believe any of it? is not all a conspiracy. So that seems to be the tactic that Deshaun Watson's attorney is going to use, which I guess makes sense for why they would draw it out. The reason I thought there would be a settlement is because Watson stands to lose even more money by not reporting to Texans camp and holding out. But lo and behold, Watson is going to be placed on the exempt list and will be paid to collect his money if the NFL actually puts him on the exempt list. And this brings us to a whole complex situation going on in the two months beyond this reporting. Now we mentioned in supplementing the talk about Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson's legal team that half of the women have given sworn statements in the Watson civil trial, and depositions for each of the women under, like in court, like the depositions where you know you swear, stand up on the stand, and give your deposition. Those will be done beginning on September 13th in the Deshaun Watson case, which is about one week after the season starts for the Texans. Now, I assume there is no scenario where Deshaun Watson plays for the Houston Texans. The NFL should put him on the commissioner's exempt list. He should already be on the commissioner's exempt list, which is the conclusion I want to draw from all of this. Um, Especially the reporting to back up the fact that there is credible proof here that Deshaun Watson, although the civil process hasn't gone through, Deshaun Watson has done something of culpability and will likely settle out of court uh, before the trial reaches its conclusion, likely sometime uh, a year from now. Um, Or at least, you know, the civil court plays its way out entirely and, you know, maybe the Houston Texans end up keeping Watson all the way through but I would have thought that that would speed up the process allow him to collect his money and then pursue a trade it's why I thought he would have settled already with many of these women but I think they're waiting for some of these cases to drop out after depositions so that'll begin on September 13th and and Deshaun Watson is now reporting to camp, and the NFL's investigation has found no reason to suggest that Deshaun Watson should be placed on the exempt list. Which seems strange. Because it seems, first of all, I mentioned it yesterday, and this will still be the case, that the NFL cannot allow Deshaun Watson to play. A, any game for the Houston Texans even if Deshaun Watson is pursuing a trade and the Texans want to be done with this saga and I talked about this on DSD yesterday like from the Texans standpoint you've already hit rock bottom like you're just climbing your way back up from rock bottom around NFL draft time where you had no draft picks and Watson's legal situation was on go it was uh, first emerging and you know, it was a bad time to be the Houston Texans and, and they bottomed out and they're going to be the worst team in the league next year. But now there's nowhere else to go but up. And for Deshaun Watson and for the Houston Texans, it is it is a strange situation that I'm surprised no one has stepped in on. It's it's a lack of leadership, but also there should be no surprises that the NFL's creation of the exempt list and enforcement of the exempt list is, cave- is is a way to deal with public pressure. If Deshaun Watson's case had emerged and the accusations had emerged within the last month, there is no way Deshaun Watson is able to report to camp. He would be on the exempt list right now. And the thinking is, because I assume Deshaun Watson wants to have a trade, maybe the NFL is looking up and saying, you know, we are going to let this play out and have the Texans take the lead on this situation and ask Deshaun Watson to go home. Well, lo and behold, that's not happening, and now no one is putting pressure on the NFL to put Deshaun Watson on the exempt list, similarly to how people put pressure on Trevor Bauer to go on administrative leave, which is the MLB's version of the exempt list. And when I first heard the news about this, I looked up whether or not the exempt list only applies to the regular season. I was like, well, maybe there's something I'm missing here. Like, is there a reason why Watson can't go on the exempt list yet, but could potentially go once games start? Which I assume he will if he incli- if he intends to play for the Houston Texans. I would hope, for just the sake of human dignity, that people would stand up and put pressure on the NFL to put Deshaun Watson on the damn exempt list. Just tell him to go home. Like it's not. I mean, yes, it's a punishment, but he's. It's basically like paid leave. You need to go away while we figure this out and while you deal with your legal situation. They did it to Adrian Peterson, who was the face, of, one of the faces of the league at that time. Now the difference between running back and quarterback is significant, but it the system was designed for this exact purpose and it's when and it and the reason that protests and public pressure from the media is effective is because it puts pressure on the NFL to hold Deshaun Watson somewhat accountable while the legal situation goes on and the reason for this is it is it is way more likely than not that Deshaun Watson has done something that will again, civil court is very complex and very difficult. But the NFL has done Deshaun Watson has done something that warrants attention from the NFL and their disciplinary team. I don't know what the NFL's legal team actually looks like or who the independent investigators are that the NFL has hired, but if public pressure were strong enough around this story. Deshaun Watson would not be allowed to report to camp. He'd be getting paid, he wouldn't be getting fined, but he would be put on the commissioner's exempt list. And the fact that public pressure is not on Deshaun Watson right now, and the fact we're not talking about this story, is the reason why Deshaun Watson is allowed to report to camp, and why the Texans are allowed to leak to Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport yesterday that they're fielding trade offers for Deshaun Watson. The reason that they are allowed to do that is because people are not holding Deshaun Watson accountable for actions that we see more likely than not Deshaun Watson is culpable of something. Now, the legal process may play out and we may find that not all of the cases are credible, but we can look to credible reporting from people at Sports Illustrated to point to the fact that Deshaun Watson was probably a serial sexual harasser. And did some creepy things that crossed the creepy line, but maybe didn't cross the criminal line. And there is still a line between breaking the law and morals and ethics. And we don't want the NFL to traffic in the morals and ethics business. But at a certain point, if the legal system is not going to hold Watson accountable, or at the very least is not going to send a message that, again, the the legal limit is well above the moral and ethics, or is well... Below moral and ethical limits. Like the legal limit does not go far enough to protect morals and ethics as it should. I would argue that legally this has potential to ruin people's lives and, you know, actually put people in prison, and morals and ethics aren't necessarily the best arbiters for those things. There should be a higher bar than just moral and ethical code. But at the same time, it sends an awful message because. We as a society are imperfect, and we as a society do not deal with cases, especially in a male-dominated industry like professional sports, do not deal with sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, and sexual assault against women in effective manners that actually leave people feeling like some form of justice was served. And again, all of this is really complex, and it's a situation that people have been trying to solve for generations now and there are no great answers but at the same time we can look up and say not enough is being done to hold trevor bauer accountable something needs to be done in the short term to hold trevor bauer accountable something needs to be done in the short term to hold deshaun watson accountable and It reminds this case with Deshaun Watson, and to an extent, Trevor Bauer. I mean, it's a different case, and he may actually be charged with something criminal. But the case for Deshaun Watson reminds me a lot of the Kobe Bryant case from 2003. And for those who have been listening to this podcast for for close to a year, you remember we did an episode talking about the Three Ring Circus with Jeff Perlman Uh, It's a great book. I recommend everyone read it if you're interested in, like, the the -the behind-the-scenes stories of sports, similar to, like, Ball Four-style stories. And something that I remember is when Kobe Bryant was going through his rape trial in 2003, the Lakers paid to fly Kobe Bryant back and forth between his Eagle Colorado trials and nba games the organization threw their lawyers and and you had the power of kobe bryant and the los angeles lakers behind this woman who had come forward with a very clear and obvious case against kobe bryant with a policeman who had showed up after the incident was immediately reported and recorded kobe bryant basically lying and then semi-admitting to it and and still to this day, the prosecution in Eagle, Colorado felt that had they gone all the way to a verdict, that Kobe Bryant would have been found guilty and that Kobe Bryant would have gone to jail. It was almost a slam dunk case with evidence and a tape of Kobe Bryant saying that, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I, I panicked, I lied. And they settled out of court before, I think a lot out of fear of the woman ruining... Kobe's life and therefore having a mob of people come after her and whatever the reasons may have been she ended up settling with Kobe Bryant before the verdict was read and in 2021 I like to think that had the Texans not been wanting to pass Deshaun Watson on to someone else like it's a not my problem anymore thing I like to think that we wouldn't be supporting Those accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault in the same ways that the Lakers did with Kobe Bryant. I like to think that public pressure and media pressure would have gone the other way on this, but there's a lot of propaganda out there and a lot of male privilege around talking about sexual harassment and sexual assault. Even myself, there's a lot that I'm getting wrong here in this story. Do not take my words all the way through. I probably don't go far enough on this issue. I do I do my best to empathize with women in this circumstance, but I understand that I'm flawed. I have privilege. That's not everything. I'm not going to get everything right, and a lot of this might end up sounding like mansplaining. I don't know. This is where perspective is important, and unfortunately, it's just me running a one-man show wanting to talk about very important issues here. And it helps me grow as a person as well. So probably should have put that out there on the front end, but we're getting around to it now. What I wanted to talk about with Kobe Bryant specifically in relation to this Deshaun Watson case is you can see some of the parallels even 18 years later. Potentially three, I mean, it's one generation, but I say that there's like usually three generations within each 15-year generation. Generations removed from Kobe Bryant going through a public rape trial and Ben Roethlisberger going through two, one a rape trial and one a civil trial around his, uh, around his rape case back in 2007, I want to say 2006, 2007. And we've seen these be the public images that, that, you know, are pointing to the dark sides of, of accusations against powerful people. And this is again, a reflection of society at large. We see it, with what just happened with Bill Cosby, where he a backdoor deal essentially gets him out of jail, and it feels like there's no closure on what might end up being one of the, the largest serial rapists in the history of America, not just in celebrity, in the history of America. And so there's no accountability there, and so the hope for some level of accountability is just preventing him from making money. And I guess we're getting to that similar type point with Deshaun Watson, as the legal system plays out and eventually the NFL will get around to suspending Deshaun Watson. But in the meantime, for if Deshaun Watson, and again, this is the tricky part because it then incentivizes Deshaun Watson to settle, but the NFL needs to put him on the exempt list and give him the money. Like it's paid leave. Deshaun Watson will continue to be paid and maybe he faces another suspension once he's playing for another team next season. But Deshaun Watson should be facing some level of scrutiny at this point in time. It's not fair to do it to him for years and years, and it's going to stick to Deshaun Watson forever. And a lot of this has to do with what ends up becoming the final verdict of this. And unfortunately, we're getting more information as the trial progresses and more reporting is being done. But at the same time... Deshaun Watson needs to be held accountable in some way, shape, or form because there's a distrust with the legal system. And I wish that more public pressure could be placed on the the NFL to just simply have him not play football. To sim- He can make money, just simply don't allow him to play football in your league and put him forward. As one of the, Even if he's not one of the faces of the NFL, like you want to just hide him in the shadows, at the very least, even if he's going to be allowed to make money, do not let Deshaun Watson play football at this point. Preventing him from, again, he's still making money, but there has to be some level of accountability. Because pretending like nothing is happening, or just briefly mentioning his legal suit, which again is kind of what I did yesterday, so I just wanted to go back and correct this a bit. Brief mentions of a legal suit don't do it justice. Even when we're talking about the football side of how many picks will the Dolphins give up or how many picks will the Panthers give up to get Deshaun Watson, even with those conversations ongoing, there has to be some level of accountability. I'm not sure what that is exactly, but there needs to be something in terms of holding Deshaun Watson accountable, and I'm not quite sure exactly how we get to that point. But it's going to be really convoluted across the next few against across the next few weeks. I just wish that there had been some level of accountability held at this point for Watson. I'm not sure what it's going to hold down the road, and again, we need more developments in the case, and it's very it's moving very slowly. As it is with the Trevor Bauer case, I believe Bauer reported to um, I think he reported to court for a hearing sometime last week Um, in that case. I haven't been following it as closely. I did research for to talk about Watson today, but I haven't done the research to talk about Trevor Bauer. But the cases are both relevant at this time because this they are again they're parallel cases they are sexu- well Trevor Bauer to a larger extent that he he has a better chance of being charged criminally than Deshaun Watson but still these are crimes against women in a male dominated profession with a society that's trying to come to terms with the fact that we are really bad at dealing with crimes against women and we allow them to perpetuate across generations and if there's going to be no level of accountability in the legal system, which again, we distrust the legal system and credible reporting, both in the Bauer case, which you should absolutely go read some of the details from, I believe, Jeff Passan had the reporting around Trevor Bauer. So I would check out Jeff Passen's reporting there and Jenny Vrentas reporting around Deshaun Watson for Sports Illustrated. These are credible reports about things that are going on in this case. And this is the importance of journalism is to hold people accountable in the event that they make backdoor deals and let Bill Cosby out of jail. Is that we have some sort of recollection, selective as it may be, some sort of recollection that has been fact-checked and double-fact-checked and triple-fact-checked and quadruple-fact-checked to support the truth. And that is the importance of these cases because Journalism can ultimately give us a guide to how we should make our actions history and journalism both help because they are history is a guide to the past and journalism helps provide facts and information to help us evaluate what is the best course of action for Deshaun Watson. It seems painfully clear that Deshaun Watson should be on the exempt list at the very least by the start of the season. But the NFL probably should have done it now, just to prov- just as a sign of some level of leadership. Like it's not that much to ask to say, just have him go away. If he, while he's dealing with his legal issues, similarly to how Adrian Peterson was dealing with the legal issues after his case of beating his son, just ask Deshaun Watson to go away in a highly public case with one of the faces of the league being accused of a of a two dozen. Cases of sexual harassment and potentially sexual assault and anything short of just asking him to go away is a slap in the face to the women who are bringing these cases forward against Deshaun Watson, because if not, there is literally no accountability measure. There is literally no accountability from Deshaun Watson's employer for the fact that he has done something that violates just moral and ethical code that basic human decency suggests should have some level of consequence. Even if that consequence isn't preventing him from making money, the NFL may fine him and suspend him down the road as they should after the legal process plays out because the NFL as an employer should be and a public facing employer who makes a lot of money should have some level of accountability for Deshaun Watson, similarly to the legal process. If all Deshaun Watson is going to do is pay out some sort of financial settlement, which is what civil court is. Anything short of just putting Deshaun Watson on the exempt list, which is, again, a small step for leadership, just a small, minuscule step in terms of leadership, placing Deshaun Watson on the exempt list is the bare minimum that the NFL should have done already. They still have a chance to correct it. And one way that we can help with that. Put public pressure on the NFL the same way I asked you earlier in the month how we need to continue to put pressure on the NCAA in order to reform college football's financial system and eventually help college athletes not only receive name, image, and likeness endorsements, but to also get some of the revenue that the NCAA makes from what is about to be ridiculously huge television contracts as Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC and super conferences get formed. Do not let the NFL off the hook in just basically saying, yeah, the fire's not hot enough. So we're going to let Deshaun Watson report to camp because we don't want to reflame this tension. No public pressure from NFL media reporting too. I, I was watching an Ian Rappaport, two minute clip talking about the Texans um, willingness to shop Deshaun Watson, which we knew the Texans were willing to shop Deshaun Watson had his legal had his claims of sexual harassment not gone public and created a lawsuit against him back in March, the Texans would have liked to have trade hit, traded him by the draft last year. But because of his legal situation, they just put everything on pause. And I assumed everything would be left on pause. But now, because we are not holding the NFL accountable and the, the legal situation is not finishing off, Watson is able to report to camp and the Texans are allowed to leak that they are shopping Deshaun Watson again, and teams, come get him because we want to get him off our tail, even though he's going to probably be placed on the exempt list this year and not play. At the same time, the Houston Texans should not be in a position to shop Deshaun Watson yet. It Again, it is a slap in the face to the women, and, and basically to women everywhere, for trying to bring forth This trying to move on to the football side of things without addressing the moral, ethical and legal situation of this issue, which is not done yet. Again, it's all messy and it's all complex, but it's clear enough to tell with reporting that we've looked at today and and details from the past and the ongoing legal situation, it's clear that. Even if this stuff is complex and icky and I don't know exactly how I feel because I used to love Deshaun Watson and it's making me rethink the way that I view Deshaun Watson and just heroes in sports in general, where we don't actually know these athletes very well. At the same time, you look at the Deshaun Watson case and even if it's sticky and if even if it's complex to figure out, it's clear enough that he should be placed on the exempt list. This is exactly what administrative leave and the exempt list is for. He'll still get paid. That much is clear enough. And the fact that they're not even doing that is a breach in leadership by the NFL and a breach in leadership by the Houston Texans. But the NFL, first and foremost, has the power to place him on the exempt list. All the Texans can do is just ask him to go home and not leak the fact that they are now ready to accept trades and quickly try and pawn him off as, hey, it's not our problem, not our problem anymore. Yeah, the Tex- Texans should not be allowed to do that. And slowly with time, there there will be new developments. But hopefully we put enough public pressure on the NFL and the Houston Texans to put Deshaun Watson on the exempt list. And unfortunately, it's probably going to take some sort of new development in the case to rejog our memories on, hey, this should not be allowed. Or at the very least, get to the start of the season and everyone feel icky about the fact that Deshaun Watson is going to get to play week one for the Houston Texans, even if he doesn't play because he's still holding out. There should be no situation where he plays again for the Texans, none. The Texans should trade him, you know, once the legal situation plays out and they still want to. But the NFL cannot allow him to play for the Houston Texans and pretend like nothing's going on in the legal situation. There's enough credible reporting to suggest that something is going on and that there needs to be some level of accountability as the legal system plays out. Even if that accountability is just go home, we'll pay you, you just can't do this thing, this craft that you're good at. You can still get paid to, do, to not do it, But we just can't have you play right now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.